I'm Helen McDonald, Analysis Editor for the BMJ, and in this podcast I'm joined by Brian Alper, Vice President for Evidence-Based Medicine for Abesco and founder of Dynamed. And we're here to discuss his article on thrombolysis with TPA, otherwise known as outerplays in acute ischemic stroke. Now, Brian, this drug's been out and in use for a number of years, but there's ongoing controversy about how long after the symptoms of stroke develop it should be given. And in fact, in the UK, we know the regulators looking at the safety and efficacy of this drug as we speak. So can you take us back to the beginning and fill us in a bit on the background to this drug? Okay, well, this drug, TPA, has extensive evidence for use in myocardial infarction, where the sooner you give the drug, um, the greater effect you have on you know, saving lives. And uh, it's been well established for a very long time with very large data. Somewhere along the way, the idea that a stroke or brain infarction is similar to a heart attack or myocardial infarction, uh, I think led to the idea of using TPA very soon after a stroke to have the same effects. There have been a number of trials looking at that. The magnitude of benefit may not be as um, as strong as for the heart attack and the um, amount of data may not be as large as the extensive data for use in heart attack. But based on reports from one of the, the trials called the NINES trial, which had a very specific set of criteria for who after a stroke to give TPA to and did this within three hours of symptom onset, this was reported to show a benefit in more people surviving with uh, limited functional deficits than not using the TPA. Um, There are some trade-offs with some increased risk of having a bleed in the brain, which of course can lead to more functional deficits or mortality. And depending on how you look at that balance, um, you can view that as the benefits outweighing the trade-offs and that became the basis for using TPA in clinical practice after a stroke. And the initial um, indications were to do this within three hours. So that was the initial license for the drug, which was both in the US and in parts of Europe via the German regulator and extended to other markets. So it was initially licensed or marketed for use up to three hours. Is that right? Correct. And how have things changed since then? And and when did that happen? Well, in 2008, a randomized trial called ECAS-3, a European trial, was conducted specifically to look at the time between three hours and 4.5 hours after the stroke. With the idea that this was already established up to three hours, the question was, would extending the time window still provide the benefit? And this trial was published in 2008 and reported an increase in the likelihood of being alive without any functional deficit with the use of this drug. So based on that report from that trial, um, 
some considered the, the data to support extending the license or extending the recommendations for use of TPA from a three-hour cutoff to a 4.5-hour cutoff. But you say that not everyone was convinced by that. No, not everyone was convinced by that. From a licensing perspective, the FDA in the United States did not extend the license beyond three hours, whereas the MHRA in the United Kingdom did extend the license. And in various other countries, there, you know, there's various uh, patterns of which, whether or not the license was extended. So what you've done in this article is to document your journey to try and make sense of this confusion. What exactly was it that you wanted to clarify? Right. So if we look at the overall use of TPA, um, there does appear to be data um, supporting its use up to three hours after stroke, and guidelines generally recommend it, although, as noted, um, some emergency medicine associations even question that and, and question whether it's enough to make it a standard of care. And it is pretty clear and consistent across sources that use of TPA after 4.5 hours is much more likely to give harm and it may be too late to get the benefit. So except in some very unique circumstances of atypical um, strokes, nobody is suggesting um, TPA after four and a half hours. The time window in between, between three to four and a half hours after stroke, is very controversial and confusing. So we wanted to focus on that time window and what is the best information we can find to provide guidance for clinical care. It's probably worth saying here a bit about how Dynamed works. So can you explain to the listener what your methodology is and what you were trying to do? Okay. Well, what we do for Dynamed is we systematically monitor the research literature across medicine. We systematically determine, is this information clinically relevant? If so, we critically appraise it. How well can you trust the conclusions coming from the evidence? What's the uncertainty? We reported in very objective, clear, what's the conclusion, what's the facts. If we have multiple conclusions around the same concept, we synthesize it. So you get one summary conclusion, what is the best evidence for this concept? And then we put this together for rapid interpretation during clinical practice. So the clinician can find in seconds, you know, what do we know um, for clinical practice? We update this daily because what we know across medicine is changing every day. Okay. So when you turn that scrutiny to TPA, what did you find? Well, we were able to do it and find that the best available evidence from all the sources, as you put it together, gives a clear sense of harms, increase in fatal intracranial bleeding if using TPA at three to four and a half hours. But the concept of benefit, does it improve your chance of surviving um, without a disability, is widely inconsistent with some data saying yes, some saying no, and some say it actually has the opposite effect. So we evaluated guidelines, systematic reviews, and the key original trials. For guidelines, we found national stroke guidelines around the world consistently recommend using TPA three to four and a half hours after stroke. 
While emergency medicine associations have mixed approaches, and more of them tend towards stating that TPA is controversial at all time frames and should not be considered a standard of care. For systematic reviews, the Cochrane Review provided an overall conclusion that TPA was beneficial zero to six hours after stroke. In evaluating the meta-analyses within the Cochrane Review, there was no detailed analysis for the three to four and a half hour time window, but we made a shocking discovery. The meta-analyses looking at zero to three hours consistently found a significant benefit for surviving independently with TPA. But the meta-analyses looking at three to six hours consistently found no overall benefit when looking at surviving independently and a significant increase in the harms. This makes it clear that data before and after three hours should not be lumped together for some overall meta-analysis. We then looked at the individual patient data meta-analysis from nine randomized TPA trials. The summary report suggested an overall benefit for TPA at three to four and a half hours, and there was not enough detail provided to understand how the widely disparate data from the individual trials could result in such a clear conclusion. We explain a number of these issues in our paper. When we went back to double-check the results from the most informative trials, we discovered some more interesting things. In the ECAS-3 trial, which was the only trial clearly showing benefit at three to four and a half hours, one of the known risks of bias with this trial was an imbalance in baseline differences. The placebo group had more patients with a history of prior stroke, which may set up the placebo group to have worse outcomes. We found a report published in 2014 that analyzed the 89% of patients without a prior stroke in the ECAS-3 trial, and the estimated benefit was substantially reduced and no longer significant. So maybe that risk of bias from baseline differences was a major influencer on the results. But when we looked at the IST-3 trial, which was the large trial suggesting a non-significant decrease in surviving independently, one of the BMJ reviewers actually caught a subtle finding that we originally missed. This specific outcome was reported with a 99% confidence interval instead of the traditional 95% confidence interval. That makes it look like it's not statistically significant. When we reanalyzed it using the standard 95% confidence interval, it actually found a significant harm or decrease in surviving independently that was the same size as the benefit being suggested in ECAS-3. So you had a plus and a negative, and you thought that when that was summed in the individual patient data meta-analysis, it would equal out somewhere in the middle, showing that there wasn't much in it. That would be the expected outcome. Now, there are variations as you make adjustments, and things are not always exact to be that simple in the math, but something did not seem to add up that clearly. And you've got some thoughts about why that might be, which you talk through in your article. Tell us a bit more about that. After considering multiple uh, reasons why the individual patient data meta-analysis may have a conclusion different than what we see in the data, we still did not see um, how this clearly came to be. So we went back and we looked at the protocol for the meta-analysis 
And we found an explanation that may be a little bit um, hard to follow. The protocol said, and I quote, it has already been established that thrombolysis with IV alteplase or TPA is both effective and safe when administered to particular types of patients within four and a half hours after stroke onset, and that treatment benefit diminishes with increasing treatment delay. Consequently, any estimate of the overall effect for all patients randomized to TPA within six hours of stroke onset provided by the analyses described in this document should not necessarily be used to guide the future use of treatment or to revisit efficacy in presently recommended subgroups because of the possibility that such an estimate might be diluted substantially by the results from IST3. So it sounds to me like what this is saying is we already know TPA works. We have previous meta-analyses showing that. IST3 could dilute the effect. So let's not um, just include it and see what all the data says. We need to adjust in some way to account for these things. That actually makes some sense logically for conclusions about using TPA before three hours. We have data showing benefit for use of TPA before three hours. And the IST3 trial, by design, um, if you already were in the group showing where that benefit was expected, you weren't enrolled in IST3. So it is true if you took the IST3 data, which represented people where we're uncertain after three hours if you meet the criteria, and you combine that with all the data meeting specific criteria, you can get a lot of confusion and, and more uncertainty for do we use TPA up to three hours. However, that same concept does not apply to the three to four and a half hour time window because at the time of the IST3 trial, that was not an area of suggestion to use it for most time um, during IST3. So the data for three to four and a half hours from IST3 should not be so different that we need to be concerned about diluting data from before. We really need to look at all this data fairly and put it together. So the same concern for avoiding diluting what we think we know before three hours should not apply to three and four, three to four and a half hours. So that sounds complicated. Um, and given the level of scrutiny you've had to put into this, I'd again refer people to the paper for a bit more detail if they're interested. So Brian, what do you think needs to happen from here? Well, I have three answers. One for researchers, one for policymakers, and one for practicing clinicians. For researchers, it would be great if an independent group could get access to the full data set from the randomized trials, present a protocol for analysis and reporting openly with an opportunity for feedback on that protocol, and then report an individual patient data meta-analysis to provide the most clear view of the data we already have. Then that could be used to determine where more research is needed. For policymakers, which would include guideline developers and drug regulators, the decisions on what to recommend should be revisited with recognition of the uncertainty in the data and analyses for now. This may result in interim recommendations until the full data analysis can be made available. For practicing clinicians, be aware of this uncertainty and recognition that it may take time for policymakers to evaluate and consider such things. In the interim, limiting use after three hours or being extremely cautious 
would be the, the best move. We don't want to cause harm while we are trying to help. That was Brian Alper talking about the evidence base for TPA or outer plays. And Brian's article, a call for reanalysis to inform policy making and decision making on thrombolysis in acute ischemic stroke, is now available on thebmj.com. <laughs>